Welcome to the ColbyCast, episode 81. Thank you for joining us. Today we're joined by Sarah Falks, Anna Havens, and Emily Thibodeau, three of our online elementary teachers. The joy of homeschooling an elementary student is a lifelong treasure to a parent, but sometimes you need a little additional help. Colby's K-5 online program was created to provide that very help and has been very successful. I think when you hear from these amazing teachers, you'll be able to see that this success comes not only from the careful planning and development of the program, but also from these generous, faith-filled teachers whose joy in helping both the parents and children is apparent. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. As we record this at the end of 2021, most of our listeners will have at least some notion of distance learning after so many had to make an abrupt and perhaps rocky transition to online schooling. Well, before all that, Colby Academy was forging a path in distance education with its online academy for middle and high school grades. In the fall of 2020, the elementary online program was introduced after years of planning and work. This isn't Zoom school. It's a distinctive and trailblazing hybrid in keeping with Colby's ever-ancient, ever-new blend of classical antiquity and up-to-the-minute technology. We heard a little bit about the providential timing of the program's introduction in Episode 7, which we'll link in the show notes. Today, Stephen and I welcome three of the upper online elementary school teachers to the Colby cast for a tour through the virtual halls of the program and a look at some practicalities of the parent-teacher partnership that is an integral part of the process. Sarah Fox. Emily Thibodeau and Anna Havens, we're so glad to have you on the Colby cast today. Welcome, ladies. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Thank you. Welcome, everyone. I'm looking forward to this. We have not addressed the online elementary program on the Colby cast very much, so I'm really happy that we have this opportunity today. And I would love it if we could get to know you, ladies, each a bit better. So, would you tell us about yourself and your background and expertise? Maybe how you came to Colby, maybe about your family a little bit. Anna, let's start with you. Hi, so my name is Anna Havens. Um, I live in Houston, Texas, and I have been teaching for a lot of years. <laughs> we we ended up coming to Colby for um, our middle daughter is a gymnast, and we were in a brick and mortar Catholic school. We'd been there our whole lives, and um, it just was not working with our lives. So we kind of looked around, and found Colby, and all three of our children are enrolled in the program. We were looking at the online elementary for our youngest daughter, and I decided I would apply for it. And I've been here for the past two years, and I absolutely love it. Great. That's neat to hear that you have, you're both a teacher and a mom on the, on both sides of that experience, yes. the Colby experience. That's great. <laughs> That's fantastic. And it, is it working well for your daughter's schedule with her, all her gymnastics doings? Yeah, no, it's, it, it's allowed us a lot of flexibility and they're able to pursue their passions, but also get like a great classical and strong education. Um, where a lot of the girls at the gym do like the online public school. She definitely is getting a voracious, like just all kinds of academics, I guess, you know, like she's very much engaged in what she's doing. It's challenging for her. And it's not like a check the box that I'm doing school. Like she's, she's challenged in, in every aspect of her life. So it's great. Did I miss the part? What grade do you teach? 
Nope, that was me. Sorry. I teach fifth grade. That's okay. Sarah, how about you? So my name is Sarah Falks. I live just outside Indianapolis with my husband and our son, who we welcomed this spring. Uh, such a wonderful uh, vocation to be a mom. So I'm so enjoying it. And it's wonderful that not only does Colby have the flexibility for its students, but also its teachers that, you know, now being a mom, I get to be home with my son. It's, it's just such a blessing. So I greatly appreciate it. A little bit about myself. Uh, I am a graduate of Hillsdale College and I majored in history, minored in classical education. And ever since then, classical education is something that I'm oh so passionate about. I absolutely uh, love it. I love sharing it with my students and parents and love seeing the impact it has on uh, families and, and even just like the family dynamic when uh, a family becomes a part of this. So uh, that's one thing I love about Colby. And when I finished uh, my master's in theology with the Augustine Institute, I was so excited to see that Colby was adding an elementary program. It was a program I'd heard so much about from some homeschooling families uh, I had met through brick and mortar teaching I'd done. And I was so excited to jump at the opportunity to apply and then become a part of, of this wonderful program and, and help out with its mission of classical education and reaching so many people across the country. Well, congratulations on the arrival of your son. Thank you. Do I remember correctly that you spoke during Catholic Schools Week last year about classical education? Yes. So our listeners may have seen you and heard about classical education that way. Great. Good deal. Yes. Okay, Emily. How about you? Hi, so I live in Shreveport, Louisiana with my husband. Um, we just got married this past December and moved here then, so very new. Um, but really, I have always had a passion for teaching, and I went to college uh, in a different degree and kind of realized freshman year that I really needed to go back to my roots and love of teaching. So switched my major uh, to elementary education and the rest is history. Um, I started teaching first in public school, then went to private school. And um, during that time, I was trying to convert my class to online teaching. I was one of those teachers that had to, in the middle of COVID, try and figure out an online mm -hmm. platform. And in the craziness of it all, I really found a love for online teaching. So truly a godsend, um, something that was not so great in the beginning, but turned out to be a true love. So um, my husband and I got married in December. And so um, for the teachers out there, you know, it's so hard to find a job in January coming in to a new school, a new city. And I just, I didn't know what the Lord's plan was for me. Um, so in this time, I just prayed a lot about it. And a veteran homeschool mom approached me at church. She found out I was looking for something and she said, why don't you check out Colby Academy? And um, I had heard of Colby. I was homeschooled myself growing up. So I got to experience the student benefits of classical learning. We used a Catholic homeschool program through first all the way through 12th. And so from there, I was like, wow, Colby Academy. I never thought of that, but I'm going to check that out. I went home, researched, found that they were starting and kind of launching this new elementary program. I applied and within two weeks, I was hired and starting mm -hmm. online training. So it was a whirlwind, but truly a godsend. I teach third grade. Um, last year, I did all subjects. This year, I'm doing 
in math and science. And uh, yeah, it's it's been such a blessing for me. I mean, truly, it's reignited my passion for teaching. This is my first experience teaching classical education, but it's it's kind of funny because I feel like I'm coming back to my roots because that was my personal education. So it's like I haven't had that experience to teach it, yeah. but now I finally do. So um, it, it's been a huge blessing for my family. Wonderful. That's really neat how you have come full circle that way. And I bet that is another point of uh, connection with your students. Absolutely. All right. So it's great to hear about each of you and and all the strengths that you bring to the online school. Um, I'm unfamiliar with sort of the ins and outs of it. So I'd love to hear how it works, maybe what it's not, and some other things about the program that you feel are relevant that, that would be helpful for families who are not familiar with this program. So Colby's elementary program, I'd say, uh, what's unique about it is that we are partnering with our parents in educating the entire person through this classical education uh, with regard to the pedagogy as well as the curriculum, right? all of the details. That's our goal is to educate the entire person classically. And so we're partnering with our parents in order to do that. Uh, in the way in which we only have a couple of hours of live time. So your child in our elementary program is not sitting at their computer all day long. So we do emphasize then the other part of a child's education, which they're learning to write in cursive. They are practicing uh, their math facts on paper. So there's still that tactile element to it. So they're not just sitting at the computer on you know, a Zoom call all day long. And so I'd say that's one way in which our program is a little bit unique is that we are working with our parents to uh, educate our students in this way. I think I would also add to that, that the program functions more like a hybrid program where it combines homeschooling with online education. So, you know, we, we have the aspect of homeschooling because the parents are responsible for helping their child complete assignments, but the actual teaching of those lessons really falls on the responsibility of the teachers. So the teachers are creating the assignments, the teachers are creating the lessons and teaching the material and there for help and assistance. We also grade all of the assignments that they post but the parents are responsible for following up with those assignments and ensuring that they're completed on time, that they're submitted, that, you know, they match the instructions. So a little bit of that self-grading prior to posting, but um, I always describe it more like a hybrid program. And I'll add that I think our program is awesome because it offers so much flexibility to parents. And we it truly is a partnership where we are doing the teaching, we're creating the assignments, but parents have the choices of how some of these assignments are completed. We do have some that are mandatory assignments that have to be completed for grades, but the others are what we call practice assessments, and parents can do those orally with their students. They can choose certain questions, and so it truly is a partnership where the parent gets to have a say in what their children are doing and learning and how much of it they do. So it's, that's one of the, the really unique and wonderful aspects of the elementary program. Being a homeschooling father, I can imagine how difficult that must be, though, to have a bunch of students coming in from all different backgrounds. I mean, my children were all over the map when it come, came to math skills or reading ability, all of those things. So how difficult is that to try to have a class full of third, fifth, whatever grade level and have it be reaching everyone? 
I don't think it's all that different from being in a brick and mortar school because you're always going to have kids of all different abilities and levels and children that learn in different ways. And so it's just trying to find um, ways to differentiate the instruction. And again, with parents' help, then if there are students that are struggling with certain things, we can uh, reach out to the parents and say, hey, you know, little Johnny is really struggling with math facts. Let me give you some more resources. And can you help him in these hours that he's not in live class with us? And so Again, that partnership is very beneficial to us, to the students, to the parents, I think. So you mentioned that they're in in online class with you a couple hours a day. So how do you do you do all the subjects every day? How does that work? Do you break them up? So they'll have English uh, twice a week. They'll have history and science each once a week, math twice a week, and then uh, religion once a week. And it's an opportunity where we can focus on those uh, subjects. We as teachers actually don't teach all of the subjects this year. Last year we did. This year in an effort to uh, really serve our students best, we have one teacher who will do the English history with one section of religion and the other teacher will do uh, math science with the other section of religion. So Anna and Emily actually for their respective grades teach math science. And then I teach actually English history and my religion section to my fourth graders. So we have our subjects that we can focus on and then the students uh, will come into each of our rooms almost as though they were in a brick and mortar classroom. You know, like you said at the beginning, traveling through our virtual halls, it it almost Mm -hmm. is like that. They travel through our virtual classrooms and and we meet. And even though there are students from all different places and uh, they do have some differences in their abilities, we can differentiate. I, I still find that I'm able to do that well in my classroom. I think one thing that virtual learning allows you to do as well is then help that student that might be a little bit lower or give enrichment to that student who might be a little bit higher. Uh, a little bit more discreetly than you could in brick and mortar since Mm -hmm. you interact through our Adobe classrooms and then also through the Schoology platform that just allows uh, at times for a little bit more discretion uh, when helping the higher achieving perhaps and then maybe more of a struggling student, you can really reach them both. Something along those same lines came up during the episode we we did with a couple of the middle school teachers at the beginning of our school year about how they can make use of the various, are they pods in Adobe Connect to ask questions directly to the teacher? It sounds like it works well in this context also. Great. So it was off to a great start last year and you've built upon the success of last year and and found ways to improve this year and, and continued on an upward trend that way. A couple of things that the school is not, I think, would be worth noting. Um, Like you mentioned, it's not all day on the computer, right? So that's important to many of us when we're thinking about our young children on screens. The other important distinction between the online elementary school and the upper school is the elementary school is one comprehensive uh, unit, basically. You enroll in the whole school and you do all the subjects with the teachers, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and, the, and in the upper school, you can you can pick and choose the courses that you want to supplement in your homeschool course, or you can do them all online, right? So yes, yes. Okay, so that's worth noting. Part of the beauty, I'd say too, with regard to your child being enrolled, 
in all of the subjects is there's a lot of integration that we get to do classically, which is wonderful. So mm -hmm. for example, uh, like I'm teaching my fourth graders, we're doing ancient Greece right now. And having students that are taking then all of our subjects, they get to see great integration across uh, those disciplines. So we are reading the children's Homer in literature. We are learning then about the Peloponnesian War in our history class. And then it allows me as a teacher to have a project or an assignment in which they're drawing upon their different the different subjects that they're learning. And it's this beautiful uh, weaving together then of the content and the curriculum that they're using, that even at times their little brains are making connections where they'll bring something up in class. And I'm like, oh, wow, like I didn't even think of that. That was beautiful that you remembered that from our reading two weeks ago. And so that's one uh, beautiful thing about our, our elementary program when a student enrolls then in all of the subjects is that classical integration that they receive. That's definitely a selling point that I, I found that when, so my, my children are older, that when they, when the youngest of my, when the youngest of my children who are all older than elementary school now, that was one of the things that appealed to me most about the Colby homeschool program is how everything fit together. So I didn't, for lots of reasons, go lots of places to pick out curriculum. I went with what the Colby curriculum was all across the board there. And, and, and it was neat to discover along the way, even though my sister, who's a Colby alumna had told me to define for myself oh this this goes with this and remember how this came up so that's neat that they are able to identify that that's great and also just adding to what Sarah said and what you were saying too Bonnie is just that um, the flexibility too of parents who do have advanced students you know I know some parents who they're homeschooling for the specific reason that their child might be two grade levels ahead in math or one grade level ahead in math and so they're really able to design their own program in the sense that they might be using the same curriculum but just two grade levels above and so it kind of gives them a little more flexibility to really meet their child where they are and advance their learning in whatever way necessary. Is that all within, like, say you were a third grader, you still would enroll your child in third grade, but then you can just customize that third grade curriculum or, or would you be like jumping up to fourth or fifth or things like that? So yes, you would continue to be uh, listed as a third grader, but some parents just choose to opt out of particular subjects. And so usually it would be students who are advanced. And I have, you know, a particular student this year, I have a few that opt out in a particular subject. And so if they're advanced in math, they would continue to come to class for every other subject. But for math, they would just do a different grade level. Um, and some of my students even still come. So even though they opt out, they still have the ability to come and it basically becomes an audit. So they would sit in on the class and enjoy, but they wouldn't have to worry about completing the assignments. The parents would then be responsible to design the assignments for their child. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's neat. Okay, so let, let's talk about some ways we can help parents manage their their side of the equation for the online upper elementary work and foster independence in their students at home. What are some ways you guys have come up with? So I think one of the best things that we do is that every Friday we send out a week at a glance email. And so it's a printed schedule of every class and all of the work that's coming up in the next week. Nice. 
And um, I know that a lot of parents like print them out and use them almost as a checklist for their students and so that they can kind of have a visual for them, like a concrete thing that they can check off. Like I have done this assignment check. And I, I think that gives students a lot of independence because they can feel accomplished in knocking something off their list, but also they can visually see something and it's not on a screen, right? Like it's a piece of paper that they're able to touch, they're able to cross something out. Um, and it also helps just keep them on track and it helps break things up into chunks for them to do for the week so that they're not waiting until the last minute to try to turn everything in. It's a good pacing guide. That's, I think, the most basic, but one of the most important things that we do to help students kind of have their own independence, but also um, have a way for parents to check and make sure that everything's being accomplished that needs to be. That sounds like an idea I could put to work here. And whether you're doing online school, the traditional homeschool, whatever, a mix of them. Yeah. A week at a glance. And that's the W-A-A-G abbreviation, right? Okay. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to borrow that and put that into our lexicon here. <laughs> that sounds like a really good idea. And then to jump in to go along with the week at a glance, as Anna is saying, is the use of the, their Colby planner. And it's something that we try to highlight using in our homeroom when we start the week with homeroom and religion, and that is to uh, encourage them to organize and think ahead. In fourth grade, we're really focusing on using the monthly part of our planner to look ahead for specific dates, not only of breaks, but also <laughs> long-term projects and uh, get them used to thinking about those things. Then it, it offers us an opportunity to highlight sort of thematic content that we're working on as well. I usually have my students put their virtue for the month in there and, and the prayer that we're working on. And so the planner uh, really complements our week at a glance well with their organization and, and looking ahead. And also just to jump in and uh, mention a way that parents can really use the week at a glance in their planners is one thing that I think would help to foster independence is just having parents advise their students to go and look at their week at a glance. So, um, you know, it's kind of the uh, student's inclination to ask the parents, what do I do next? What's going on next? But having the parents know that, well, check on your week at a glance, what's coming up. Okay, check off the things you've done. Let's look at what needs to be done next. And pointing out the planner and getting those open, having them look at those and keeping them in an area in their home where they're visible, where they see them, they're using them. Um, some parents tend to use the week at a glance themselves, but really giving them to the student, as Anna said, to check off different assignments and highlight them once they're uploaded and going that extra step and then using those planners. But having parents point those out to their student and remind them of those resources can be so helpful. It seems small, but it really does help foster independence for these third through fifth graders. So just as a parent, my daughter is a fifth grader, and so we print it off for her. And um, her job is, like, she attends her live classes, and then she knows, like, I have to do this, 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 and this. And so she puts a check mark next to each of them as she finishes. And then either my husband and I in the evening will kind of go back through with her and say, okay, let's see that you did this. And we'll kind of look through and just make sure that she's done everything. And she's so proud that she's accomplished it by herself. And then it makes our life a lot easier knowing like what we're looking for and um, just like it's a quick glimpse. Okay, you're done. You did it. Like, let's move on to the next day. So it's super helpful. It's so nice to have that printed out. Our older girls are super jealous that um, the, the elementary has this. They're like, we wish we had this in middle and high school. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a, like something we could take from that. Those of us with older kids and, and, and help our older kids develop that skill of putting together something like that for themselves. And, you know, we've heard lots of advice from 
uh, other instructors and advisors on the Colby cast to kind of take Friday to look at Schoology to see what's coming up and whatever. And, and you could form your own at that time. So it certainly seems like a logical progression from from the, the elementary years into the middle and high school years. Yeah. I really like the monthly calendar, the way you're using your monthly calendar. I'm going to have to borrow some of those ideas as well. I usually flip that page in my calendar and go to the weekly page. So I'm going to take a fresh look at it. I think, I guess, a natural progression from looking at your week at a glance as a checklist and your planner to accomplish uh, those tasks, those assignments, then I guess is that uh, when you're completing an assignment, uh, students should be looking at their instructions or the directions either, you know, in that workbook page or what the teacher has written on Schoology. And if the directions maybe are a bit involved or something that your child needs some assistance with, going through and reading them or highlighting, underlining or numbering them in some way that maybe is easiest for your child to break up what they need to do and even if then you say, okay, go ahead and start with one and two, then we'll come back, we'll check in, and then we'll review what you did, and then we'll finish the last task together. I think that that's a great strategy for parents to help guide their student through that particular assignment and still adhering to the instruction and direction of the teacher, but then also helping them foster that independence in their child to maybe work on portions of it, giving them sort of a, a plan of attack for it, a, a way to get through the assignment successfully. So just jumping and adding on um, to what Sarah was talking about during conferences, when talking to parents, a lot of them had kind of the same experience, I guess you would say, with their kids going off to do their own assignments. Like they would get started on it and the kid would be very confident in what they were going to do. Um, they would go off to do it by themselves and then they would be there for a really long time. And when they would check in with their, their children, they would be overwhelmed and frustrated and they would be stuck on like one problem in the middle of the assignment and they just couldn't get past that one problem because they just couldn't figure it out. And um, something that I told a lot of parents is like, give them a sticky note or have them circle that problem and move past it and then come to you at the end and say, okay, there's this one thing I just don't understand. And usually it's just like, like Sarah was saying, a direction or an instruction that they don't understand. And so just kind of like going back and reading through it is really helpful just to kind of give them that independence again, but then to prevent frustration because just that one problem would like shut down so many kids. And then another little strategy with that too is we love egg timers um, because a lot of times like when kids get stuck on these things and they're like working for hours on assignments that should take not very long, just to like set an egg timer, be like, hey, let's work for 20 minutes and then take a 10 minute break. And when that 10 minute break is over, I'm going to check in with you again, see how you're doing, see what I can follow up with you. And that really helps to prevent, again, the frustration or the kids just wanting to quit on what they're doing because it's so hard or, or something like that. It, it gives them a way to like check in with their parents and then have a break, but still feel like they're doing so well on their own. Yes, the egg timer is great. I have quite a few of my fourth graders last year and this year use a timer and that was a great aid to them and then jumping also in on what you said Anna 
about circling or using some particular sticky, sticky note or bookmark to mark, oh, I'm stuck in this spot, not only can they bring it to their parent to discuss it, we also have opportunity in, in live class that they could ask us questions about their assignments. We have a homework hangout. English, we have it twice a week, and then math has one twice a week where uh, they can ask questions, bring their homework, hone in on any of those specific problems that they maybe were having or any clarifications that they need, which is great then because it's giving the students an opportunity to come directly to us and ask those clarifying questions, ask for that help, and maybe their peers had the exact same question and, and needed that guidance as well. So it, it's a, a great opportunity for them to ask us questions uh, directly. In addition to any live time, so whether it's our live class or our homework hangout session, they actually can ask a question on Schoology as, as well. We have a homework help discussion board is what it's called and students can ask questions and I actually find that sometimes if I'm not able to answer a question immediately because I've stepped away to do any of my you know normal house duties here at home that some of my other students can jump in and say, oh, I remember Mrs. Falk said in class that you need to do this, and then they can help each other out as well, which I think in the online environment can be great to help them foster that community and that sense of, uh, of an environment where they can support one another as well. And also another tool um, in the online environment that we've tried to create is giving the students rubrics, um, giving them answer keys at times to self-grade their work. So we're also trying to foster that independence at home with these opportunities for students once they complete their work. So once they break the assignment into smaller chunks, they're able to complete their work. It offers the student the ability to go back and make sure their work matches the rubric, make sure their answers are correct by self-grading. And so it takes off some of the responsibility on the parent to grade the work because now students can check the work using these rubrics and answer keys at times. Um, they're, they're not necessary for all assignments, but definitely some of the bigger ones, bigger assignments we include rubrics for. So that can be really helpful in once again fostering that independence on the students outside of live class, outside of homework hangout. Offering these can be helpful to parents as well. And another wonderful feature when we were talking about what the program is, we have um, an elementary program. They're able to turn their work in, all of their work in by Friday noon Pacific time. And so that gives them a lot of opportunities and a lot of extra touch points to check in with us. So if they had an assignment on Monday and they just totally don't understand it, there are three other days that they can kind of reach out and get extra help before they absolutely have to have their, their work turned in. And so it gives them multiple opportunities to find the answer or learn how to do something, get help on the homework board, come to homework hangout once or twice. So there are just lots of resources that we have because we want them all to feel successful um, and have the resources there for it. You're certainly setting them up for that success with the, the week at a glance at the beginning and then all the opportunities along the way during the week. Okay, these are all very helpful. I And I can see a lot of ways that these are applicable to homeschool as well, if the parent is the, the primary teacher there. I know my husband who teaches math here, he he has them check their answers on the the, um, the odd-numbered ones in the book. He has them check that as a matter of course. My wife and I have homeschooled our kids all the way through, and so my wife is always just taking care of actually all of this. But I know especially over the last couple of years, um, 
there just wasn't anything like this out for for homeschooling people. Not every mom is quite ready to jump right into uh, doing everything on her own, just kind of being on an island. So it sounds like, I mean, it would be great for any student, but especially for somebody who's coming in. So let's kind of dig a little bit deeper into to some of what you do as teachers. So absolutely. Yeah, teachers, we try to provide as much support as possible. It can be challenging in the online environment, but we do try to offer as much help throughout the week to students. We obviously teach live class and we have lessons planned, but we are always open to questions. We try to have a question and answer box up or a chat box up at class at all times. So it provides students a great opportunity to ask questions. I've been teaching about math and I have a student ask a question about a religion assignment and I'm happy to answer, you know. So we, we try to answer and help as many students as possible, even if we don't even teach those subjects. We're still trying to always direct them in the right way, uh, just to, again, foster that independence. So live class is a great opportunity for students to ask questions and for parents to encourage their students to come to live class to ask those questions can be so helpful. Also, homework hangout. Homework hangout is a great time. We usually don't even have anything planned for this time. It's really a time for students to come. They can practice extra. They can bring whatever they need to work on during this time, whether it's reading, whether it's completing a quiz, and we have them put all of the things away and they're working. So it really provides a time for them to put away distractions, but also get teacher-directed help. So we're there throughout those 30 minutes, and we are there helping them with every little bit, clarifying things that are confusing to them and directing them in those assignments and just encouraging them to get their work finished. Um, we did mention the homework help discussion board, so that's always a great tool on Schoology. But outside of the ways that we're helping these students, also I just want to encourage parents because parents might have questions, as you said. They might not be ready for this dive. They might be confused on a particular subject. And so as teachers, we always encourage parents to send us emails. And I know it might seem a lot to be emailing your teacher these questions, but we really do encourage parents to reach out out to us at any point for clarification, for questions, whether that's on an assignment, whether that's the fact that your student might not be responding that well to something. Maybe it's you're struggling to make a schedule at home. You know, we have so many resources that we would love to provide to parents, but sometimes we don't want to send those all out to them because it would be very overwhelming. But if a parent does struggle, we are so happy to help and always available through email. So those are some ways that parents and students can get help from us on the teacher end. Fabulous. You have set the students up and the parents for success with all of the tools you have provided. Let's talk about on their side, getting it all done, the when and the how of it. I would start off by saying that I think one uh, key way that we have been really focusing in the elementary program is having that study space. Uh, that was something even during our orientation week, we really focused on having that study space where your child is sitting at their table or their desk and they have their bin of books. I have my bin of books sitting right next to me in my chair here, and that's what I encourage for my students as well, so that they can pull out that next book or that extra piece of paper or pen or pencil, whatever they may need, that it's right there, uh, all of their things together as though they were in a brick and mortar school with their, uh, their desk filled with their materials. So I think starting off with uh, a place where they can have a quiet place to work and put their week at a glance, 
put their planner, put their items that they need to be successful, have those materials is a, a great place to start with organization uh, at home. Makes a lot of good sense. I think in addition to having that space, like having a, um, like we talked about having a printed week at a glance, I think a printed schedule somewhere is really helpful too, because our classes aren't the same every day. Just having a visual reminder of like where I'm supposed to go for the day. And then when I look at that, I know, oh, these are the books I'm going to need. And so just being there a few minutes early to kind of review what you need and like preparing your space it should all be there, like Sarah said, but just kind of pulling out the materials you know, you know that you're going to need. If you're going to math, you need your whiteboard to work on problems. And so having your whiteboard out and your math workbook. And um, if you're going to go to literature, you have your novel to read. And just that way it's already on the desk um, and easily accessible. And having all those items together too, as Anna's saying, is also great for allowing your child to become more independent and getting themselves ready for class. When we start class, we don't just start off with content when they open up their classroom. We actually have 10 minutes where they do a mic check. And uh, many of the teachers put a little note pod that has a list of materials that I need or what do I need for history today? And then they've they've included in there, I need my binder, I need a piece of paper, I need maybe scissors for the activity we're doing today. And then that way the student can look at that as they're getting ready 10 minutes before class to make sure, oh, I do, I do have all of my items and they're here and, and I'm ready to go. And that fosters that independence for their child to uh, take that responsibility of being organized and ready for class. I bet that fosters a lot of confidence in them too. Like I've got myself ready. I've, I know what I need to do. And yeah, it really does. I think also outside of class, it can be challenging for parents to really figure out the when because we have such a strict schedule during the week where they come to live class or they have homework hangout but outside of that sometimes it can be challenging and so one of the biggest things is to keep consistency trying to keep to a schedule as best as possible it can be so challenging at home there are so many distractions for students but still keeping that consistent schedule and of course that looks different for every family and that's the beautiful aspect of of the online program is that schedule might be different. One student might have an extracurricular activity that they don't do work after lunch on Mondays. And that's great. We want students to participate in those things. But whatever that looks like to keep it consistent, but also not to be afraid to take breaks. I think one of the biggest things is that whenever students hit that wall of frustration, it's so important to take a break and allow them to breathe, go outside, get some fresh air, do whatever that looks like for your student to just relax. Maybe that's after live class, taking a 30 minute break where you don't do school, if that's what your child needs. So I think it's so important, you know, just to encourage parents out there to not be afraid of changing that schedule, you know, to try to keep to that schedule. Of course, that's great. But also if that's not what that day holds for your family, then that's okay. That's the beautiful part of having that Friday deadline, that flexibility of if Tuesday was rough for your family, the content was challenging and you needed to take a break and get it done on Wednesday, then please do that. You know, so having a schedule is great, but also knowing when to take breaks and being okay with being flexible. And I think just to jump in and add on to that, again, the partnership that we have with the parents and the parents being educators as well, like getting to choose if something was super hard and it was a terrible day, like we might not do our PA, those practice assessments in a written form. We might do them orally. We might go to the park and go do them because it's a, 
a different opportunity and a different space for my kid. And maybe that's what they need today. And so just that the, the flexibility is really beautiful for embracing the good and then like kind of dealing with like bumps that might not be expected. Um, and I think that helps children like just be more confident in who they are, but also understand that like there are going to be tough times maybe, but there are different ways to deal with them. And we don't have to just like grind through it. We can, we can go out and enjoy nature and make our lessons applicable to just our daily life. And that's what our program offers these families. And I think that's really just outstanding. Absolutely. There again, that's something they can take with them and apply to future situations. You've mentioned a couple of times how the students can help each other out in the, the homework boards and the homework hangouts, they probably have some time to talk to each other a little bit. And you have some special things throughout the year. You have your virtue of the month and some other, let's hear about some of the other community things you have going in addition to all the great stuff happening in the classroom. Jumping off of what you said with our virtue, we uh, highlight then at the end of each month, two students in our homeroom class who have displayed that particular virtue over the month. And in addition to doing that, we get to display some amazing work is what we call it, that uh, we get to nominate a few students then who have displayed uh, particularly good work in, in different subjects. And we create a PowerPoint that then will display that work for them and they get to see each other's work. I think that would be maybe one negative aspect of an online format is that when a child submits their work, they don't get to see what everyone else did. But we counterbalance that, I would say, here at Colby by having these opportunities where they get to display their work. Uh, if they created something, we'll have them present it in class, which is a wonderful opportunity then for them to see each other. And then another resource we actually use on Schoology are media albums. So for my history, we have an ancient Greece art gallery since we're learning about ancient Greece. And then they will add throughout the quarter some of their work where we've made a Medusa head or a vase and they can then add that in there and see each other's and comment on it. And it's so much fun to get to see uh, how, how much they love to see each other's work. And uh, that's all a part of that community building. Plus, I think I'd say that honestly with third to fifth graders here, uh, which is the student group that we have, it's not entirely difficult to create a sense of community and get them excited about what they're doing and to talk with each other. They're so eager to ask each other, where are you from? And is it snowing there right now? It's snowing where I live. And they're so eager to, to learn more about each other and to share anything new that's happening to them uh, as of late. So it's, it's really something that I think as a teacher in an online format, you can sort of sow a few seeds and then it just, it grows rapidly. They, they rather enjoy uh, fostering their own sense of community, I think, in, in this online format. Also in our homeroom time each week, we have scheduled time to help build community. So each week on Mondays, we start out class with our homeroom, which is a smaller group of students. And so we do community building activities. We might do get to know you activities, or we highlight a student of the week to learn more about them. Also, we do celebrations throughout the year in our homeroom classes. And we try to keep it rooted in Catholicism, but we still try to make it also community building worthy 
these students can foster those relationships through this online platform that can be so challenging. That homeroom class is our anchor of the week, really setting the tone for the rest of the week. In addition to what Sarah was saying about like all the kids wanting to share like where they're from and what the weather's like, we use our mic checks as a great time to kind of check in and do like a would you rather or what's your favorite book? Who's your favorite saint? Um, just like fun little get to know you questions. So the kids are in charge of those. They get to pick a question if they're the mic check leader for the day and ask their friends. And so it's a way for them to, to learn about the interest and share their interests. And then back to the Schoology boards, I know a lot of um, our discussion boards, especially like in the literature classes, they'll ask the kids to write their response there and then their their peers have to respond to them. And so it's a great way for them to build each other up. Like they'll, they'll say, oh, well, this is what I thought about this character and what they did. And someone will say like, oh, I didn't know that. That was such a great way of thinking of it. Thanks for sharing that with me. Um, and they're just constantly fostering these relationships and building each other up and like trying to connect in any way that they can. And it's it's really lovely to see that. And I think it's really beautiful as well during those mic check times as a teacher, sometimes just watching the way that they will interact with each other. I've uh, noticed that every, like last year and this year, every group of students I've had, there's at least one student who seems observant enough, even as a fourth grader, to notice when one or two other children don't say something, for example, in the chat box. And then they'll specifically say to them, like, good morning, Emily, how are you, right? To, to try to engage Emily, which is really wonderful to see that they uh, can do that so naturally over a, a virtual platform where they're not sitting right next to the person that to nudge them and say hello, but rather they can still notice across a camera that, oh, that, that person's needing to feel included or brought in and they're, they're still able to do that in, in this way. They really are the best cheerleaders for each other. Like my classes, when someone does a problem, like for the other kid, the other students, and they're showing their work and they're telling everybody how they solved it. Everybody's like, you've got this. You can do it. Oh, that was so brilliant. You're such a great math student. You're the best math teacher ever. And they just, they love that. Um, and they're so wonderful and just like, they really are so close and it sounds silly because they've never met each other, but like they, they truly want the best for each other and they will build each other up and work to create that environment for each other. And it's, it's really, it is a beautiful thing to witness. That's neat. They're cultivating such social graces too. That's neat to give those opportunities for them to just practice those conversational skills. They're so important too. Yeah. All right. This has been a wonderful conversation with all of you. I sure have enjoyed meeting you and conversing with you. Thank you so much for all you have shared. Do you have any final thoughts you want to throw out there? Anything that we didn't get to or something that's come to mind along the way? I think the last thing I'd like to jump in and say is as a parent, I think one of the best things you can do is also just ask your child questions about what they're learning. So I think that really jumps into the classical element of Colby's curriculum is just at the dinner table, ask your child, what, what did you learn today? Or, or uh, what was your favorite collective noun you learned about uh, today in <laughs> class? Something even silly sometimes can be one of the best ways to get your child to just tell you more and engage with them. I know that's something I encourage my students to do at times is, you know, tonight at dinner, share this and, and 
uh, sometimes asking your child to, that can be the best way to really get them to uh, flower, I think, and blossom in this, this program as well. I think to focus on praising the successes too, and it doesn't have to be like, you got everything right, or you got a great grade, but like, you accomplished this one thing today, or you did really well with this, or look, you got, you know, you got this right, and it's really been a challenge for you. And just the effort, praise the effort, and then the small successes, because I think just building kids up and helping them to, to find their strengths and be happy with what they're able to do and how they're able to do it. Because if they're trying, they should actually absolutely be rewarded for that um, because it is hard sometimes and just notice that they're doing the best they can and and ask them what they need help with right like what do you feel that you did well today and what do you think that I can help you with and I think that helps parents a lot to identify maybe where they can focus their time with their children um, and things that they can let them do on their own. I would like to encourage parents to just be patient with themselves and patience with their children. This homeschooling journey, this online program is a difficult journey. It's one that has ups and downs and there will be struggles along the way, but to just be patient with yourself. And as Anna said, to really rejoice in those victories, even if they're small, to be patient along the way and to just remember that no matter what your child is learning, they're having a great experience at home. They're experiencing the beauty of God's creation, but at their home, and you're in control of their learning. And it's just so beautiful that you do have a part in that and that really we are partnering together. And so just to remember that the teachers are here for you. We are praying for you. We're rooting for you as well as the parents out there taking on this education. You are our heroes. We see them for such a little time throughout the day, but you are with them most and you really are in charge of their learning. And so just remember these resources that we've talked about today remember to reach out if you need help in any way. We're here for you. In addition to thanking you for joining us here today, I thank you so much for teaching the kids because, again, from my experience, it's been the best thing to have our kids at home and be able to do that. And I know there are parents out there who wouldn't be able to do that without your help or at least not have the success that they're having without that. So thank you so much for taking care of those kids. I second that a privilege. It really is a privilege. Thank you so much for having us. It's been such a privilege to talk to you today. I know this is going to be so helpful to the parents listening and really appreciate all of the the suggestions and all of the wisdom you have shared with us and all these ideas and all the work you have put into this. It's been a great conversation. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. If you haven't already, Subscribe to the Colby Cast in your favorite podcast app to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd love to hear from you. So feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.